This is an ABC podcast. Amanda Jade Wellington has bowled an absolute peach. Wonder win for Australia. Kurt of Alani, she hits hard. She gets 15. Take two. Perry with a double hundred in a test match. You're listening to Ladies Who Leg Spin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Leg Spin, an unorthodox delivery of the gentleman's game. I'm Mary Kay and it's really funny, even though the WBBL is over and we've got one less competition to contend with, I still feel like there is a bunch of cricket happening. We had plenty of action in the WNCL over the weekend and I know plenty of you have been enjoying the Test and the BBL. Britt, did you watch any cricket over the weekend? No, I actually took a little break, but I made sure to keep an eye on the WNCL, the Women's 50 Over Domestic Competition, because there was lots in the works there when it came to deciding who plays the final this coming weekend. There sure was. So before we get into all that action, I just wanted a little shout out to Curtis Patterson, who is playing for the Australian men's team at the moment in the test in Canberra. Now, KP is a player that's played for the Sydney Thunder, but has been waiting for his opportunity to play test cricket for a very long time so I was so pleased to see him score his maiden test century on Saturday in Canberra. Now Brittany I've got a bit of a fun fact for you as well. (laughs) Sounds good. Interestingly Curtis Patterson and Travis Head both scored centuries on that day. It was the first time in 30 years since two Aussie batsmen have scored their first hundreds in the same innings. The last time was Steve Waugh and Mark Taylor in Leeds in 1989. Actually, that was the year that I was born. So if anyone ever (laughs) asks you in trivia, you now know the answer to that question. That is a brilliant piece of trivia. Thank you for sharing. Now, coming up on today's show, we've got another really special one and another really action-packed one. So I'm really excited. We're going to have a chat with Julie Stafford, who is friend of the podcast and a female participation specialist for Cricket New South Wales. And then we'll have the opportunity to chat with Naomi Stallenberg from the New South Wales Breakers. But because we want to make it a well-rounded show as well, we also want to feature Gemma Barsby from the Queensland Fire. And with the Breakers and the Fire both playing in this weekend's final, hopefully they'll give some insight. Yeah, a bit of a state of origin clash, much like the women's Big Bash final that we saw between the Sydney Sixers and the Brisbane Heat. And before we get into any of that, I think what's really important is we saw so many people complain about the venue of the women's Big Bash final at Dremoyne and how it wasn't North Sydney and there wasn't enough capacity to hold as many fans that wanted to be there. So this game, the final, is going to be at North Sydney Oval. So if you're going to complain and you want to come to women's cricket, Come along on Saturday and actually show that you do want to be there and you're not just, you know, complaining for no reason. Now, Britt, should we back it up and talk about the final weekend in the WNCL and what happened? Because, look, where to start with this? (laughs) I think the key point for everyone to understand is that going into the final weekend, the seven teams in the competition all had the opportunity to play finals. It's that thing where everybody had a mathematical opportunity. But Brittany, I think for you and I, this is a competition that is not that the competition itself frustrates us, but potentially the way it's looked after by cricket frustrates us because it seems very stop start. And I feel like with the women's internationals, with the WBBL, the WNCL is a bit of an afterthought and there's really no consistency to how this competition is played. 
Yeah, it sort of just fills in the gaps between internationals and the T20 domestic competition. And for that reason, I think we're calling for it in a way to be played in full because, well, I am anyway, because especially when you look at the Tasmanian Tigers, formerly known as the Raw for this season, they were top of the ladder leading into the final round. And they had such a strong start to the 50 over season, then went to Women's Big Bash, didn't do so well came back. They had some promising uh, performances in the last round over the weekend. But look, if we'd seen the 50 over competition played out in full before we even looked at T20s, it might have been a different result and Tasmania might have actually made the final. Well, I think it definitely would have been a different result because I feel like all teams being able to make the final is slightly deceptive because there were a number of teams that were impacted by the fact that we had women's internationals happening. So the New South Wales Breakers lost a couple of games, which is very unlike them. But when you consider that the likes of Elise Perry, Elisa Healy, Ashley Gardner were were all missing from that squad – you can sort of understand why they weren't leading the competition. Similarly with Victoria on the weekend, and we'll talk about this a bit later on, they were the ones that actually beat Tasmania because of Meg Lanning. Meg Lanning scored 100 in that game and had a really big impact for Victoria. So the fact that she's missed a lot of the WNCL season has definitely impacted their season as well. Yeah, I don't mind them missing for internationals so much because I feel like that happens and and that's part and parcel of playing rep cricket. But... In a way, yeah, I mean, we will see New South Wales back at full strength this weekend, given that the World Cup was played in round two when they lost those matches. But yeah, I would prefer to see 50 overs played out in full than T20 played out in full. And as a result, many people might not know this, but the actual, well, certainly in Sydney, um, the women's premier grade cricket is impacted by T20 and 50 over switching. So uh, in first and second grade, they'll play 50 overs or two-day, one-day format, and then they'll switch over to T20s while the Women's Big Bash happens, and then they'll switch back. And I just find the whole thing so confusing. I can't imagine what it must be like for the players. It would mean variety, but it also means that fans of the game don't really know what's going on unless you're really into the, the fixtures and watching everything that happens. I think this is one of the reasons that I'm really on the bandwagon of a standalone WBBL season next year, because in my mind what I can see happening or you know what there's an opportunity to do is start with the WBBL go from say October to the start of December potentially have the WNCL after that and maybe extend it a little bit because we Mm -hmm. only had three weekends maybe having four or five weekends potentially a semi-final and then a final and then of course the women will head into internationals and we'll get ready for the World T20 World Cup. I just feel like by starting sooner there's more space so that the competition can be I understand what you're saying and I agree that they need to be played separately, but I feel like I would flip them almost. I would play 50 over first and then T20. But look, I think you're right in that they need to add in semifinals because it's sort of just is like every team plays each other once ad hopley between all the other things going on and then two teams make the final whoever's on top of the ladder it would be better to generate fan interest by having two semi-finals and then leading into the final and I think an extended WNCL is good for the game because I always reflect on that moment where Elise Perry scored her double century in the test at North Sydney and everyone was very excited about that moment and it was exciting for me too but I think that moment made me a little bit sad because 
Imagine what Elise Perry could do if she were given the opportunity to play the longer form of the game more regularly. And I know 50 overs isn't a test, but it's certainly longer than the T20 that we've become accustomed to watching so much this year. And it gives other Australian players a chance to shine because some of the players in these WNCL teams don't make T20 teams because they're just not T20 players. They're better at playing the 50 over version of the game because they're just better at that format. And so WNCL is really important in that aspect is that it it allows players that might not be able to make the boundaries that we're expecting in T20s still a chance to represent their state. Now, we probably should tell you how we got to this result for the final with Queensland and New South Wales going at it for the title. Mary, how did we get there? All right. So to start the round off, I'll just set the scene. Tasmania was sitting on top of the ladder with 13 points, one point clear of the ACT Meteors and two points clear of the New South Wales Breakers. Now, it's important to mention that in the WNCL, there's also an opportunity to earn bonus points, which is why each team sort of still had the opportunity at this point to make the final. Now, Queensland beat Victoria by one wicket to keep their finals hopes alive in their first game over the weekend. And the game was pretty tight. I want to shout out to Gemma Barsby, who hit the winning runs, despite us knowing her more as a bowler. And uh, Jess Jonathan was also really impressive in this game. She took two for 16 from her 10 overs and she dismissed Meg Lanning and Annabelle Sutherland. Shout out also to Molly Strano, who we know has been working really hard on her batting. Coming in at eighth, she made 44 and was not out at the end of the innings and uh, had a really good partnership with Nicole Fulton, who came in at ninth. And Alana King and also Georgia Wareham had really good games. They both took three wickets. But yes, Kirby Short with 45 and Queensland getting the win in this match. So after this, Queensland had one more game against the Western Fury to give them sort of the opportunity to play in the finals. But we saw the New South Wales breakers in action as well. So they beat the ACT Meteors, which guaranteed them a spot in their 23rd WNCL Grand Final. I just... I sort of want to pause at that point because I don't think enough people put enough emphasis on just what an impressive sporting streak this is. Like this is Australia's best domestic sporting streak. And if you had a rugby league team that performed as well as the New South Wales Breakers did, you'd certainly be really impressed. And it really is a credit to Cricket New South Wales and the emphasis that they've put on the professionalisation of the women's game that they've been so successful. We also saw Lauren Cheadle miss out on playing in round two of the WNCL. She didn't get to play either of the matches that the Breakers played at Blacktown, but she came in and took six wickets across two days for the breakers and was player of the match in both those performances. So it's really good to see her back at full strength. It is because she sort of only came back for the Sixers at the start of the summer after having battled with injury. So I'm really pleased to see Lauren just doing so well, both in the WBBL and the WNCL. So at the end of this game, New South Wales sat on top of the ladder four points clear of Tasmania and nine ahead of Queensland. So at this point, it was really Tasmania that had the opportunity to play in the final. Um, This would have been a really big deal for Tasmania because they've never featured in a grand final before. But then in came Meg Lanning. She scored a ton and unfortunately Tasmania fell just short, which then put Queensland in the box seat, Brittany. It did, but in this game too, I know that Tasmania fell, but it was a good opening partnership between Steph DeFara, who made 49, and Georgia Redmayne, who made 43. So the first wicket fell one for 97 after that partnership. And Veronica Pike, coming in at seventh, made 53 runs. Very much a bowler. I don't think many people class her as an all-rounder. So very well done. Unfortunately for Tasmania, 
it's just another disappointing thing for the summer, isn't it, Mary? They're just falling short every time and they really do need to learn how to win. They do and hopefully they'll learn from what's happened this summer and bounce back stronger than ever next year. But I do want to credit them. They really did have a very impressive year in the WNCL. Back to that game where Queensland played Western Australia. Not much to talk about here because there was a pretty epic batting collapse by WA. They were out for 100. Gemma Barsby then took four for 11 off eight overs and Queensland managed to chase that total down in just 16 overs. So that means that Queensland and New South Wales will play in the final this Saturday at North Sydney Oval. And I'm looking forward to a pretty epic battle, particularly uh, considering that for Beth Mooney, Delissa Kimmins and Jess Jonathan, it could end up being a perfect summer for them, given that they were with the Australian women's cricket team when they won the T20 in the Caribbean. They've won the WBBL with the Brisbane Heat and could now potentially go on to win the WNCL as well. Yeah, and with players in form like Gemma Barsby, as you mentioned, her player of the match performance getting four for 11 Five of the eight overs she bowled were maidens. Like, that is super impressive. Her economy rate finished at 1.37. And Jess Jonathan also had a really good economy rate in that game, three wickets and 1.13 for her rate finishing up. But it will be Queensland's fifth final, uh, but they're yet to win one. So, you know, they could make history this Saturday and they're going to have to do it against a pretty tough opponent. But having said that, Queensland did beat New South Wales in the very first game of the WNCL at the start of the summer in September. So they know they can do it. So that game will be streamed on the Cricket Australia website. So tune in if you're around or head out to North Sydney Oval for what's going to be another classic clash between New South Wales and Queensland. Now I'm ready to chat to some of our special guests. Coming up first, Julie Stafford from Cricket New South Wales. We are now fortunate enough to have our friend Julie Stafford on the podcast. Julie is a female participation specialist at Cricket New South Wales and a woman that I've come to know over the years that we've been working in cricket together. And I love sitting on the hill and watching female cricket with Julie, which we've done plenty of during the summer. How are you, Julie? I'm very well. Thank you, Mary. And you? Very good. Uh, how are you finding the summer? Are you all cricketed out yet? <laughs> uh, uh, well, um, no, no, not really. No, it, it's just been absolutely fantastic. I mean, my, we'll talk about it later, but my role is about participation. So to see the the elite players do what they do so well is just absolutely fabulous. So, um, no, I'm not cricketed out. Cricketed out. I'm, I'm still ready for some more and the season hasn't finished yet. Now, Julie, I know the answer to this question, but can you tell the listeners how long you've been in your role and what changes you've seen during that time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I started, um, uh, well, this is my seventh year. So I started back in uh, 2013. And when I started, my job then at the time was female engagement. And my role was to sort of look after and develop girls cricket teams. So I set about trying to find out how many we had in the first place, just start I thought that would be a good starting point and we could only find 38 teams and that's across the entire New South Wales so there was something going on on the North Shore of Sydney um, and there was a, a girls league called the Sydney Rivers League which was sort of southwest of Sydney and there was a couple of teams out in um, a, a Wagga, a Dubbo, there was sort of something in Newcastle but there was nothing really that we would call a girls competition a girls only girls league um so we started setting about sort of creating something me and a number of other colleagues 
and uh, and we've got to where we are now. So so over the years, it's morphed. We, we started off something in 2014 called the Breakers Junior Cricket League, because we thought that was a very good idea to call it after the Breakers. But then, of course, well, the um, Sixers WBBL came along in 2015-16. So we, we decided it'd be a tremendously good idea to call our girls' leagues the Sixers Girls Cricket League and the Thunder Girls Cricket League. So we've continued to grow every year. And if everybody does what we hope they'll do, we'll, we'll hit around 350 teams this season. Wow. So that's almost 10 times the number from when you started, Julie, almost. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's not been easy. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't say it's really easy. There's, it's, it's all about enlightened and proactive cricket clubs of which there are many, but there are still a few a little bit behind the game. And so we need to work with those people for them to realise that girls cricket is the way to go. And (laughs) the WBBL has clearly shown that. So that's why I just love the WBBL and and the results last Saturday, the games and the the semi-final the week before was just amazing because that really sets the standard of what girls can achieve. And when the little ones who we look after, participation cricket and, and junior girls cricket, when they see they've got something to aspire to and to play in, then that's just going to make it easier. Julie, so. you're in good company because we also love the Women's Big Bash. Yes, but This is my first time meeting you and I actually detected a little bit of an English accent. Were you passionate <laughs> about this sort of space when you were back home there? How did this all sort of come to be? Yeah, sure. Well, my, my background is teaching, so I'm a, a PDHPE teacher. I was a, a director of sport and I ended up at the, the Dizzy Heights as a, um, a deputy principal of a, a big school in the UK. Um, and then and around 2005, I decided to have a bit of a, a, a sea change, uh, a very big sea change, yes. and I moved <laughs> the other side of the world um, and sort of gave my, uh, myself an opportunity to, to live for a year in Australia. But I, I got some great gigs. I did a little bit of casual teaching and then I got a great job as the education manager at New South Wales Sport. Um, And from there, I would work with all the different sporting organizations. So I worked with cricket and I was delivering some programs about volunteers and grants and all sorts of bits and bobs. And then I I sort of um, got this job. So um, I was able to just spend my energies and my interest working solely in cricket, which is just absolutely fantastic. I, I landed at absolutely the right time. Thank you for sharing that with us. I, I ask you that because I feel like it's really important if we are trying to get more women involved in administration and engagement and all those sorts of spaces, we really need to share your story and other stories so that people know the pathways to get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I, I'm sat here in our um, new little office at Cricket New South Wales because we've just employed 35 new people. Um, you may be aware of our, our increased number of, of staff that we're getting on the ground. And we've got a number of wonderful females within that cohort. I've already jumped around and met most of them this morning and uh, they'll be starting over the next three weeks. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking to employ the best people in cricket. We're not necessarily just females. We were looking to employ the best and in, the, in a number of cases, the best are females. <laughs> so I'm really excited about the changes in our own staff as well. 
but yeah, I mean, we there's some really fabulous people out there in cricket, but I, I would also say that it doesn't have to be a female. Like a lot of our really good clubs, um, the the coordinator is a dad, and it's really important for us to recognise that there's some wonderful dads who are keen to see their daughters play cricket, and so we we really want to we want to work with dads and mums to say cricket really is a, a fabulous sport for girls, and they should get involved. Julie, we'll see how this next question comes out, but what is it like being on the ground at these girls' clinics? Because I can just. I've seen little girls playing cricket and idolising female players now, which wouldn't have been the case when you started your journey. What's it like seeing little girls engaging with the game either for the first time or engaging with it because they just love it? Oh, it's it. it it's going to sound ridiculous, but it's I've got the best job. Like I, everybody else says, they have the best job, but I have. You know, to have a product which is the WBBL, and to see kids coming along to see the games and sitting there chatting. I sat next to a, a dad. At the Sixers BBL. It's a men's game, but she was there with her dad watching the game, and she was really excited. So the fact that girls are coming to watch the men's games as well is great. But we've run our clinics, as you say, Mary, and the funder put on a girls' clinic um, at uh, Blacktown International Sports Park uh, uh, just before Christmas. And they also timed it with one of the Thunder training camps, one of the Thunder training days. So the Thunder girls were out there training and we had 100 kids turn up and 100 little girls, all who played in our girls' league teams. And so they were all there in their little shirts of their club team and they did some skills and drills and then they listened to a couple of players talk about their journey. And it it was just great, you know, seeing these kids sitting there looking up at somebody who very likely in 10 years' time, they could be that person playing. In five years' time, depending on their age, they could be that person standing in front of other kids. So we've really turned the corner. You know, if we put on a clinic and we get 100 girls, we know we're sort of doing the the right thing. So it's really, it's fabulous from a a working perspective to be able to have a product and develop a project and, and, and see it really come to fruition. Julie, it's funny you mentioned those Thunder Girl clinics because I actually attended one in 2017 as a guest of the Sydney Thunder. And if that didn't reinforce to everyone around me why I talk about cricket and don't play, then nothing ever will. The little girls were very good. I was not so good. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. Some of these, these little ones, they're just great and they're so easy to coach. If you ask any cricket club who've got a girls team, the people who coach them go, oh, it's so easy to coach the girls because they're like sponges. They just want to learn. They're really easy. They'll listen. They re- their skill level just grows exponentially. You could sort of argue it's come from a relatively low base to begin with, but they're so, they're so quick to learn and they just want to get better and better. Julie, given those little sponges might grow up to be future breakers and sixes and and thunder players, what do you think the landscape looks like in seven years? I think it looks really healthy and it's going to be really competitive. 
So, um, and, and I remember saying this at a number of club forums we've done, if you're a girl who's around 14, 15 now and you're good at cricket, then make the most of it because behind you is coming this enormous wave of girls who will be snapping at your heels fighting for those spots. So, you know, our role, all that we want every junior club to have a girls team, which then provides a really great base of which you can become rep cricket, academy cricket, and then on to choosing the best, the best teams. So we're hoping that the standard, standard of cricket just gets better and better because you've got more kids to choose from. Julie, thank you so much for making the time to have a chat with us on Ladies Who Leg Spin. And thank you so much for your work and for the enthusiasm you bring to women's cricket. It's absolutely infectious and we are so lucky to have people like you in the game. Thanks, guys. It's great. Coming up next, a chat that I did earlier with Gemma Barsby. Hi, I'm Beth Mooney and I'm still campaigning for Pets on Tour. You're listening to Ladies Who Leg Spin. A player that starred in a number of games this summer for Queensland, whether it be the Queensland Fire or the Brisbane Heat, is Gemma Barsby. Hi, Gemma. Hello. It's good to have you on the program for the first time. Tell me, how did you celebrate the Heat's first Women's Big Bash title? I saw some photos on Instagram with you guys on a boat and a really pretty sunset with the trophy. Yeah, it was a, um, for a few of us, it was a pretty, um, pretty big couple of days and yeah, we started off with the Brisbane Heat putting on a function for us at um, at a um, like at a pub for us that night down in Sydney. And then when we flew back, one of our um, sponsors was very kind to let us players and our family and friends onto a yacht, which was an incredible afternoon. And then the next day, we all came together again just to have a quiet barbecue and drinks together. So yeah, it was a big few days, but it was yeah, it was really good. What was the reception like back up in Queensland? Because obviously you played down here in Sydney and then would have had to head back home with the trophy. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah, it was quite um quite thrilling to be honest. We got off the plane to a lot of a lot of claps and everyone coming up and saying that we um that they watched the game on T V and how good and exciting it was and that they were um fully behind us, which was quite surreal considering we're so used to being in the shadow in the background of the men. Mary and I were at the game on the hill watching and it was so hot. We felt really bad for you guys because I know you've spoken openly about the MS that you have and how you really have to manage it when you play on hot days and how sometimes you have the cool vests or the neck coolers. Uh, and I think you wore one of those on that day. Yeah, absolutely. That was probably one of the um, one of the hottest days we've played for in a while, even coming from Brisbane and yeah, it was just yeah, I was lucky that I had all my cooling devices from our heat there and yeah, I know it wasn't just me that I was struggling that day. There was um a few of the others like Mooney and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, we we uh, managed to push through and able to get the win, which was yeah, very nice. Were you proud of Beth Mooney? Because even at the ground you could tell how much she was struggling and I think when the story came out later on about, you know, how she really had to battle through illness, we were all so impressed. Yeah, it was yeah, it just shows that um what sort of player she is. She was she always struggles with the heat and for her to be able to push through that and um, get us into the position that we were. And um, Unfortunately, she wasn't able to be there at the end of the game, which I know she would have loved to have been, but for her to get us into that position and then the other girls to finish it off, it was, yeah, we still can't believe it, to be honest. I saw last weekend on the front page of the Courier-Mail that there were a bunch of Queensland's female sporting stars from netball... W League, Rugby, Rugby League, AFLW and cricket, of course. Is there a good support network up in Queensland across the coats? Yeah, it's, it just, oh, that shows right there that they, um, the whole 
spot they were on the front page and there's obviously still a lot um, a fair way to go with publicity and everything for all women's sport but it's definitely been on the rise for the last couple of years and it's been amazing to see and, and for even just for g- general public to be able to start recognizing us and now it's still pretty surreal and something that we've got to get used to if we want to become professional in our sports. I saw, I think, on Instagram too over the last couple of days that you were watching the AFL Women's Lions team get their first victory of this season in the AFLW. So it seems like you've got really good friendships and networks built between different codes up there. Yeah, absolutely. They, they were um, definitely right behind us on the day when we played in the final against the Sixers. And for us to be able to um, finish our 50 over comp yesterday quite early to then get back to the hotel and watch it as a team was, yeah, pretty pretty cool and yeah hopefully we keep doing them we're just we're just quite lucky that Delissa Kimmins who played a year of AFL with a few of those girls so we're able to meet a few of them there and yeah to just have that support it's yeah pretty great. You're a barista Gemma so when you have to travel across Australia for all these cricket games do you become a bit of a coffee snob at all the airports you must frequent? <laughs> um, yeah we sort of do a bit of um do a bit of research before we go to see where to see where we're staying and what um, coffee shops are around there and what where we can get the best quality coffee. There's a few other coffee snobs in the team that I bounce back and forth from to see if they are on the same page as me. So yeah, it's definitely always nice to get a good good cup of coffee in a different state. Now we know you're ambidextrous. We didn't see much of that this year. Are you focusing more now on bowling just with one arm instead of trying to do the two and confuse everyone? <laughs> Yeah, so that, I sort of got um, the coach at, like at the moment. Sort of, yeah, just wants me to focus on my right arm, but it's something that I definitely want to bring back, and I've been working on um, behind the scenes with it. So hopefully another um, preseason with it, and get like can keep working on it, and hopefully be able to bring it out next year where it's a bit more reliable and consistent. Now you guys were actually not favourites to make it into the WNCL final just because where you were sitting on the ladder, but did the momentum of the Heat's win in the Women's Big Bash final really propel you into some good form for the last round? Yeah, absolutely. I think just that confidence that we are um, that we can do it and, and pretty much win from most situations at the moment, which has been amazing. And I think we've all sort of just, because um, we have to travel so much, we're all a bit tired. So we're just all pushing through and not trying to let it use it as an excuse and just rocking up and playing some quality games of cricket at the moment. And for us to be able to, yeah, the position, like you said, that we were pretty much a long shot of making the WNCL final and to put on two good performances over the weekend and a result to go away that we're suddenly in the final we're playing New South Wales. We saw a little bit of this in the Big Bash final at Dremoyne, but how serious is the rivalry between New South Wales and Queensland in the 50-over format of the game? Oh, it's massive. It's It's been going long before I, before I started playing and I, it'll continue after I finish playing too. It's and not just in cricket, it's in all sport, the Queensland v New South rivalry. It's always always up there and it's always nice to get one on top of them. So hopefully we can do it again this weekend, but it's definitely going to be a very tough challenge, especially um, coming up the likes of Collies, of Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry, especially at North Sydney where it is quite a small venue and pretty much where Elise Perry schools all the way around. So it's going to be a tough game, but very rewarding if we do win. It will be the Queensland Fires' fifth final, and unfortunately you've yet to win one out of those. But you actually played in the last final where Queensland Fire came up against New South Wales in 2016-17 to that summer. 
How did you feel losing that final? And do you think you take that with you into this game and it makes you want to win more? Yeah, it was quite hard, to be honest, especially because was, um, we finally had a um, home final in front of all our all our fans of, and family and past players as well that have been itching for us to bring the trophy home. Like you said, we've been in five finals, but I haven't home yet and I know they're all there cheering us on so that was probably the the hardest part losing on home turf so hopefully we go down there this year again and hopefully um yeah continue our momentum of all the wins that we've had lately and hopefully um able to win one more. We'll be watching you from the hill at North Sydney. Gemma good luck in the final this weekend. Thank you very much. Hey this is Elisa Healy you're listening to Ladies Who Leg Spin. Our next guest has represented Australia, New South Wales, the Sydney Thunder, but on Saturday her mum might be more famous in the crowd. Sandy Stalenberg on the bongos became a bit of a hit online during this Women's Big Bash summer. How did you feel about your mum going viral, Naomi? Oh, I didn't even know she went viral, but... (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It seemed like every game, uh, the ground announcers always tried to find her in the crowd and have a chat with her. And she's pretty good at speaking on the camera, much better than I am. So uh, no wonder they always uh, went to find her for a chat. But um, yeah, she loves every game and she loves bang on the bongo, doesn't she? Some sporting grounds, they have the bongo cam. And I feel like Sandy could really dominate that on the big screen. Oh, yeah, she definitely can. She knows how to work the crowd. Um, <laughs> Yeah, hopefully there's a little segment, uh, you know, she, she's probably uh, mama breaker for this weekend, um, but <laughs> usually banging the bongo for Mother Thunder. So yeah, she's uh, she, she loves it. She can't wait for this weekend. Naomi, we absolutely love you and we love your mum as well. She's been such a brilliant supporter, not just of you, but of the um, entire, actually I was going to say entire Breakers team, but it's really any team that you've ever played for. Yeah, uh, she doesn't just cheer for my team though. She uh, gets to know all the other girls and she sometimes cheers those girls off the field as well. So um, she's a big supporter of all female cricketers and yeah, she's a big supporter of mine. So yeah, got to love her. Naomi, we should probably talk a little bit about you as much as we love Sandy. Congrats <laughs> yeah. on reaching the grand final with the New South Wales Breakers. It must feel really good given that heading into the weekend, basically all the teams could have made the grand final. Oh, uh, yeah, it was a tight finish uh, in a few games. Uh, obviously, New South Wales had a dominant performance in both games that we played. But it was a great feature of women's cricket and how strong it's becoming with you know, four or five teams actually having a chance of making the top two. And uh, there was a, a, a bit of question of where the final was going to be held too. So I think that's, yeah, a real feature of how women's cricket is growing and how strong the competition is becoming. And for Tasmania to even have a chance of making the final was awesome too. And I think it's great to, to see where the, the game's going for us. I think, Naomi, that you've touched on something that Britt and I have really noticed this summer. If we go back to the WBBL final last weekend, even though as Sydney siders we were a bit upset with the result, we just think it's really good for the competition to see the trophy leave New South Wales. And you've already touched on Tasmania and how close they came to reaching their first grand final. I think it's just really positive for the competition to see cricket being played so well in so many different places around the country. Yeah, well, I think with the introduction of the WBBL, it meant that a lot of girls are playing a lot more cricket now. And I think it's becoming very competitive. And I think it's disappointing that the WBBL um, trophy left New South Wales. Mm-hmm. But I think it's awesome that, you know, there's other teams that are putting their hand up and they're working really hard and 
I think you can see that with the professionalisation of women's cricket. The girls are getting better and yeah, it's getting tighter and it, you always have to try your best and, and you really need to work hard for every single game. So, yeah, I think this weekend's going to be a big challenge uh, with Queensland, their team coming off a WBBL championship and I think they're definitely going to be raring for the double. So we've got a big task on our hands uh, at New South Wales, but we're, I think we're ready for the challenge. Tell us about Lauren Cheadle. It must be good to see her back in form after struggling with injury and then she missed out on some games in round two and I know she was upset by that. And then two player of the match performances leading into the final. She must be in cracking form. Yeah, I think it's really good for uh, Little Cheats to have a good run of form. Uh, I think she really enjoyed her season with the Sydney Sixers and it's good to see her performing for the New South Wales and I think that she's definitely got that point of difference the left arm in swingers and she's taken a, f- a few good wickets over the weekend and I think at North Sydney she'll be uh, raring to go. She's she's a bit of a fighter and it's good to see her back in action after a long period of time out of the game. But um, yeah, I think if you just put it down to the way that New South Wales have helped her along the way with, with her rehab and yeah, she's worked really hard, uh, especially in the net. So she's picking up a few extra KMs, which is really good, and yeah, she's swinging the ball a mile, and it's yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I look forward to this weekend and seeing her hopefully with the new ball, maybe. Naomi, this is New South Wales' 23rd WNCL Grand Final. It's absolutely incredible. You've been part of this breaker setup for the last six years. What's the secret behind such incredible team culture? I, I think with the experience of the senior players, I think they bring a long line of success. They also know how to perform under pressure. I think. The games that we had this year have been quite up and down, but having our senior players in, the Australian players come in, they're out and then back in. I think the breakers are always able to readjust and adapt to the way that um, the team's playing. And I think with the, the girls that are coming through, everyone was able to step up without the Australian players there. And uh, yeah, we had a dominant performance over the weekend. Yeah, I guess I just put it down to being able to perform under pressure. Naomi, you mentioned the disruption that was caused by the Women's World T20. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, given that the WBBL will be standalone next year. In sort of an ideal world for you, how would you see the summer progress? Like, would it be WBBL followed by WNCL? Would you play the WNCL before? What do you think it should look like? I don't have an opinion. I guess I just wait for the schedule to come out. Um I think it all comes down to the actual pre-season that you have, uh, the lead-up, and I think if you have less disruption in that um, facet of the game, I think everyone will be comfortable leading into the into any competition. Um, but I think the standalone WBBL is going to be a big task, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, I look forward to, to seeing how the schedule works. The more games of cricket that we get to play, I think that's really important for um, growing the game and... If, if we were to play even more WNCL games, I think that would be great too. Um, but the, I think that the pre-season is really important for us. And, uh, yeah, whatever competition comes first, I think we're ready to play it. I guess what we're interested in, Naomi, is whether you would prefer to play the 50-over format in one big block and get it out of the way, or are you happy to jump in between internationals, T20s, WNCL? Do you like the way it is at the moment? Does it bother you at all? Um, it doesn't bother me. I'd definitely like to see the two competitions perhaps be split, um, I guess, because that's the way the men's is. Um, you know, they play their JLT one-day cricket in a little block and then they play their big bash in 
in the block, but I guess their shield cricket's kind of split up between the two. Uh, I'd like to see us play more cricket. Obviously, I think that would be the biggest positive out of bringing the WBBL forward and then extending our competition out. I think that would be really good for girls that are coming through um, that need to play more cricket and they're not getting as much a go. Perhaps playing in the WBBL, they get to play one-day cricket and uh, hopefully there's more international cricket put on when WNCL is on. So then the younger players are getting a go and I think that's where you'll see a lot more competitive scores put on the board from other states. Um, for team culture, it probably affects the teams that do split up into two w, uh, yeah, WBBL teams. And it can be tough at times, especially if, say, both the Sydney teams came off a, a disappointing WBBL, didn't come away with the win. Um, but I think it, it means that you come back even more hungry to get that victory. In terms of bringing a team back together, I think you, it, it does need a little extra work. Um, but I don't mind. Uh, I I like to be able to adjust to any team that I'm playing in. I've, uh, yeah, I really love playing at New South Wales and, uh, yeah, for the Sydney Thunder. Naomi, we've really enjoyed watching you throughout the summer. What do you make of your own form? Because you had some pretty standout performances for the Thunder this year and I remember some very, very good catches. Yeah, uh, yeah I um, I just wanted to con- continue on from last year and, uh, yeah, just really enjoy every single game that I played in and I really loved WBBL. It was a really enjoyable year for me. Uh, probably not the season that, you know, I, I really wanted. I, I wanted to put a few more big performances on the board. But in terms of me growing as a player, I'm learning every single year that I'm playing and I'm really enjoying, you know, what I'm doing. And it's, it's awesome just to have the privilege to play professional cricket. It's, um, yeah, it's an absolute dream. And, uh, yeah, I'm following that into this weekend for New South Wales. Yeah, ready to go. We know that T20 has brought so many extra fans to the women's game, really developed women's cricket. Now, there will be less sixes hit on the weekend for sure just because of the nature of the 50-over format. But what else should crowds turn up to North Sydney for in this final game? Uh, I think there's many reasons. Um, I think it's going to be a great showcase of cricket and you get not just three hours of T20 cricket, you get uh, a whole day worth of um, great performances and I think with Queensland putting on some great performances on the weekend, you're going to see them raring to go, going to try and fight for a title and obviously the New South Wales breakers have always been strong and you've got many experienced players to be featuring in in this match. You've got the likes of Elise Perry, Elisa Healy, Rachel Haynes, um, and then you've got your up-and-comers like Cheadle and, um, yeah, Ash Gardner's going to be there as well for New South Wales. And then from Queensland, you've got people that are really raring to go for a title like Beth Mooney, um, Delisa Kimmins, players who, yeah, I think that they've got a bit of mongrel in them. Um, Gemma Barsby just come off a, a really exciting performance for Queensland and I think she's got a bit of mongrel in her as well. So I think it's going to be an exciting fixture. And, uh, yeah, I think two teams that have always had a really big rivalry. So I think it's been awesome, um, yeah, awesome to see as a spectator. So definitely get down to North Sydney this Saturday and, uh, yeah, you'll see a pretty big uh, rivalry between New South Wales and Queensland. We look forward to it, Naomi. The Breakers going for their third title in a row. Good luck in that match and thank you for joining us today on Ladies Who Legspin. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 
This is Jack Edwards from the Sydney Sixers, and you've been listening to Ladies Who Leg Spin. If those chats with Gemma Barsby and Naomi Stallenberg haven't got you excited about the WNCL final this Saturday at North Sydney Oval, then you are not a women's cricket fan. (laughs) You've got the chance to get out there, make sure that you do, because it's a pretty great rivalry. And look, I think it's going to be really close. The brilliant thing about North Sydney is with a long game like this, there's a lot of shade and a lot of different seats and there's the grass on the hill. So, you know, if your bum gets sore after a few hours, you can go for a little wicket walk or one run Go sit walk in the or, Molly Dive stand. Yeah, depending on who's, you know, which team you're going for. But it's a brilliant venue and really uh, I think there should be a big crowd there this weekend. Me too. Now we know that the test is happening at the moment and Australia has had some pretty performances in that format. But Mary, I know you've been to a lot of big bash games recently and we're sort of building towards the semi-finals and final that are happening next week. Yeah, we are. I feel like for the Sydney Thunder, which is my team, basically when the lights went out at the Gabba, so did the lights out on their season and things haven't really been going quite right since then. But it's really positive to see the Sydney Sixers still fighting for a spot in the top two. So they could potentially, depending on results, finish second and secure a home semi-final. And there have been some really good performances from some of their young stars, the likes of Josh Philippi, uh, say Justin Avendano, Jack Edwards is still learning his craft. And I've also really been enjoying Lloyd Pope. So plenty of big bash to keep us going until the finals next week and the WNCL final also to look forward to. I think what's exciting for Tasmania is that Hobart are doing so well in the men's as well. And there's a really good matchup coming up between the Hurricanes and the Melbourne Renegades later this week. That should be a must watch for all cricket fans. Well, and that will really uh, sort of uh, sort the ladder out because those two teams are sitting very, very close to the top and could determine whether the Sixers get their home semi-final. So plenty more cricket to come. Make sure you get to the WNCL final this weekend. If you're not in New South Wales, I'm pretty sure they're going to be streaming it so you can follow along at cricket.com.au and watch there and support. Uh, But Mary, is it your turn to say goodbye? I think it's yours. Oh, okay. You've been listening to Ladies Who Leg Spin. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.